Leaving your family, then flying from one airport to another, grabbing a rental car, heading to a big convention center to do some marketing of materials is not anybody's idea of a good time. That is, unless you get to do that with the greatest volleyball player ever. I'm a Venice, California-born, Los Angeles-based sports fan. One that has played, coached, announced, and promoted sports my whole life. My love affair with sports started in my own backyard and has led me to this podcast. Thanks to the support of the Amateur Athletic Union in East Bay, I'm excited to bring you Sports Stories with Denny Lennon. Hello, sports historians. Welcome to audio, video, podcast, episode number 43 of Sports Stories with Denny Lennon, the fifth and final part of our series on volleyball great Karch Karai. Karai July has come to an end, and we want to thank everybody that's reached out to us to let us know they've been enjoying the series. Remember that uh, this, as well as other episodes in all kinds of series, all of our episodes, is available at youtube.com slash sports stories with Denny Lennon. So about 15 years ago, Karch Karai's representation company was also promoting a junior beach volleyball program I was running with all forces combined they promoted and planned to run the U.S. Open of beach volleyball, of which Karch was the primary spokesperson. Karch and I traveled to big indoor volleyball tournaments across the country, making sure the junior players and their parents, the adult coaches, the administrative people, that they were all aware of these qualifiers out there of the U.S. Open of beach and then Karch would do a Q&A. People would geek out to talk to him. They would marvel at his stories and also marvel at his amazing recall. We should say hello to the producer of the top video podcast in the Sentinel Adobe Corridor, the director of the SSDL5 slate of shows on YouTube, and the 1997 New Mexico State Academic Honors Night medal winner. It's my honor to present my QP, Christine Jimbo. Good one. All right. I am so smart. S-M-R-T. <laughs> I am so oh, smart. Oh, it doesn't fit. It doesn't go over oh, your headphones. No. Over. <laughs> all right. Okay, everybody. Uh, head to the website. Head to the website. Hit all of our social media links. You can find YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, especially Twitter, to take your votes for the East Bay 7428 shootout. Uh, also, Two major links I want to point you to on the website. Number one is our East Bay store where you mm-hmm. can find socially distancing masks. Is that what they're called? We're calling them? We, I made that up. I, I thought you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow, so you can <laughs> have Sports Stories branded social distancing masks yep. at the East Bay store uh, or on our website. The other link I want to push you to on our website is our Patreon link. If mm-hmm. you want to be a friend of the program uh, and support us and help us keep doing what we're doing, go there. But you, you really do get a lot of good stuff there. You get behind-the-scenes exclusive, behind-the-scenes footage, mm-hmm. uh, super fun things. Um, box cobbler. Box cobbler. He's cool. Yep, definitely. And exclusive uh, exclusive footage from a lot of different episodes that you'll like to see, as well as vlogs and host commentary, all sorts of fun stuff. Yep, yeah, everybody needs to take a look at Randy Rosenblum's tirade after his uh, first-round victory. Boy, was he, yeah, that guy's a lot of fun. Hey, follow me on Twitter, at SportsStoriesDL. Uh, that's where you follow the East Bay 7428 shootout. Um, we're now in the semifinals, the final four, baby. 
A $1,000 East Bay gift card goes to the winner's charity. That's a stake. Go check it out and vote at Sports Stories DL. It's easy to understand why people would geek out to interact with Karch. I mean, two indoor volleyball Olympic gold medals and another on the beach. He racked up the most tournament wins in beach volleyball history and was still playing at the highest of levels into his mid-40s. He transcended both indoor and beach volleyball. From inspiring the character of Catch Vicelli in 1984 to what should have been a superstar's title in 85 to portraying whoever could forget this role, Kurt Stevenson on Baywatch in 1994. Karch was huge. His legend continued to grow as he got into coaching, of which we'll learn about in this final episode. Before we get to it, I want to make mention of beach volleyball historian Art Covian, whose multiple works have supplied us with plenty of information. Finally, a heartfelt thanks goes out to the one and only Karch Karai for taking the time to do this extra, extra long-form interview and help uh, all of us take this fascinating look at his extraordinary life. Hey, let's get to it. It's time for the final episode of our five-part Karai July from the USA Volleyball National Team Center in Anaheim, California. Here is our Sports Stories interview with the greatest volleyball player ever, Karch Karai. Please note this interview was recorded on January 17th, 2020. On the beach, Karch, how... Would love to see that. How did you continue to maintain such a high level of play into your 40s, even winning your last tournament at 44. I remember the, the way I took pride um, when you uh, showed the volleyball players were good athletes in the Superstars competition. I went, wow, okay. You see Vaughn, my son? <laughs> Those of us in our 40s can, can still play. Um, uh, the first half of my volleyball, my beach volleyball career, um, I was able to rely, as, as a lot of guys, I was, certainly wasn't the only one, but I was able to rely not only on a lot of experience and a lot of volleyball IQ, but a lot of uh, physicality. Mm -hmm. Good jumper, um, could hit the ball hard, could endure the challenge of tournaments. People don't understand what was demanded in that day compared to now where you might play one match a day mm -hmm. over five days. This and was grueling. It was... F five or six hours of volleyball on Saturday with breaks between, and it could be five or six or seven hours of volleyball on Sunday leading up to the final. Mm -hmm. uh, it was an incredible, uh, demand, uh, incredibly demanding sport in terms of endurance that is not part of beach volleyball now. Uh, but then, and so the... Uh, um, so then the second half of my career is I was on the uh, maybe on the downward path and not at my physical peak anymore. I just I enjoyed a new challenge of how can I endure this test? I'm not jumping in h as high and hitting as hard as I used to, but can I figure out other <laughs> solutions and answers? And so that yeah. was a great test. I remember playing with... Um, Mike Lambert, you know, another great player and teammate and friend that I enjoyed playing with. And by that time, maybe 2004, I'm 43 years old, and every single ball in the tournament coming is to coming you. to me. So maybe I'm having to receive serve and hit off of Mike's attack, uh, Mike's set, you know, 325, <laughs> 350 times a weekend. So I would spend a lot of the week wow. just recovering from that. 
but it's just a it was a pride thing of uh, can I handle can I bear that burden and so I prided myself on trying to be in the kind of shape that was required to to handle that and so I just kept going until my body finally said no but my mind could have kept going I still loved the mm -hmm. game but at some point my body just couldn't take that kind of demand anymore and I trained really hard harder than most other players in retrospect mm -hmm. maybe I should have backed off a little on that and I wouldn't mm -hmm. have been in such pain by the end but I just needed to, to end the pain I remember watching you um, I went down one time and uh, I was down there to cheer on the 40 something and your right shoulder I think you either torn something or and you played left-handed and I still think you took a third or a fourth and it was it was unreal you were attacking left-handed and in your 40s and I was like wow and you know who else did that Carrie Walsh and she was amazing yeah, she hitting left-handed she yeah. had she went through some of the same things and she has done uh, you know hats off to Carrie all the all she's done with um mm -hmm. five Olympics already uh, a fourth indoors, three gold, a bronze, and looking for more uh, in mm -hmm. this 2020 year. But she and I both had some injuries, and one of them was shoulder-related. And so early in the 2004 season, uh, playing with Mike Lambert and having a great time playing with him and with his fire, I dove for a ball um, and landed on my side, and my shoulder... Uh, basically dislocated but got stuck in mm. this position mm. and and so had the trainer come out and pop it back in but um, so Mike was like all right let's sh let's shut it down um, we don't need to push through this there's still more than half the season to go and so I said nah Lambo why don't we why don't we just try it a little I, I don't want to just give up here and so what we did is because I played the left side and he played the right side um, if I put myself if we put me over there he could be here and now he's right-handed and the serve could come to me and I could just put it up and he could just crush it that's right and so we switched sides and I just put him on two every time and we so ended good. up beating a couple of teams so good and I think we got second in that tournament <laughs> Uh, beat Dane Blanton, who went on, I think, uh, that later is, that summer to play uh, at the Olympics. Carts, that is wrong. Uh, and <laughs> Jeff Nygaard. But so then I went and we, we came home. I think that was in New Jersey, maybe. Uh, so we came home and uh, had the doctor look at it. And he said, you're going to have to have another surgery. Uh, you can do it now or you can do it at the end of the season. Uh, if you decide to keep playing, you can. You won't do any more damage. Except you cannot swing hard. If you swing hard, if you take a normal swing again, you'll have a very good chance of dislocating it. You'll just leave the arm on the beach. Leave the arm on the beach, exactly. Detachable arm. So I, I said, Lambo, what do you want to do? Um, I'm having a great time playing with you, but I don't want to be like an anchor and just drag you down or an albatross. So what do you want to do? You want to, you know, uh, here's the way we could go. You could break up with me right now. Go get a new partner, a mm -hmm. healthy partner. Uh, we could try it a little bit. And if it's a disaster, I'll, I'll check out and you play the rest of the season with somebody else. Or we could just say, oh, why don't we just keep trying all through the end of the season? What we ended up at is let's try it a little. So Mike and I end up deciding, let's give it a shot. Let's try another turn. Let's just take it tournament by tournament. And so I think one of the next tournaments was San Diego. 
um, a little harder packed beach. And okay. um, so I could jump a little higher and just kind of tap the ball around. <laughs> much more right-handed than left-handed. I didn't do much left-handed, but tap it around and see if we could do it, uh, what we could do. We ended up winning. <laughs> and so I think we won three times that summer. Wow. One of them, I don't know if it was the same summer that we That's won was Manhattan. That? It might have been. Mike got, won his first Manhattan there. Okay. But we knew that if things went badly, we were both open to the thing of, okay, we'll just shut it down and I'll, I'll have surgery. But we ended up playing together for the rest of that season. That is something else. Yeah. Now, around the time, I think you and I were doing some promoting for beach mm-hmm. um, at these com- big convention centers um, where you liked how I would park the car in the, um, in the taxi zone. Um, it's about the time you got into coaching. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in, the, in the prompt was your son's team had a particularly uh, underachieving season. Yeah. Um, our boys went to a great school, a smaller school in, uh, in Southern California. Mm-hmm. There are five divisions basically based on strength or school size division one has most of the best teams Mm -hmm. in the boys southern california volleyball community high school Uh, and then division five is the smallest school division so it's certainly not the level of volleyball of division three two one but still, um, our boys decided to play volleyball in uh, high school and in middle school, mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. The first uh, we didn't push them into that at all, but when they decided to play, we're like, great. So um, um, one was in ninth grade, Christian, and one was in eighth. And the eighth grade team, the middle school team, did okay, had a reasonable season. But at, in that same season, um, most of the guys on the varsity, because there were just not many people in this school, in school yeah. were freshmen. So they had a lot to learn. They were really young. And they had a very tough season. They went, they lost every match. So I think mm. it was like 0 and 31 in matches. Oof. Uh, but not only did they lose every match, they lost every set oh, of every rough. match. So they were something like 0 and 90 or 93. It was a really rough season. One of them, uh, my wife and I, and a lot of the parents went to cheer them on. At that point, we're just hoping that they would win one set. Yeah. Near the end of the year, they were actually up 20 to 10 in one of those sets and we're thinking all right it's finally going to happen it didn't, <laughs> it didn't happen. they lost uh, so i asked the school if i could get involved and do to, uh, to help them and they and, asked you what you uh, knew about volleyball coach this? and they asked me what they <laughs> knew about volleyball um and they were kind enough to let me become involved with the program and the guys worked really hard in the in the next preseason. Mm-hmm. um and now both boys are on the team because they're in ninth and tenth mm-hmm. and it's just one of uh probably my proudest coaching moments that after getting beat like a drum and basically not having lo- won a set in almost two years because they were over in the previous season come out in the first match of the next season to a team that had killed killed our St. Margaret's team and they won it was something like 25-19 and it was awesome the, they the just kids crazy it was like they'd won the olympics <laughs> won the it. gold medals and so then it was like hey guys calm down if we could win one of these <laughs> we maybe we could win another what do you know and they went on to win the match and have a nice season qualify for playoffs 
uh, win a playoff match, wow. and then next year advance further, next year advance to the finals and lose in the CIF Division Five mm-hmm. finals of Southern Section. And then finally, that last year, when one son had graduated, the other was, uh, or Setter, as a senior, they won the whole thing. So okay. it was a great lesson for me, but especially for them. Uh, so powerful that they took this program that um, lost everything, uh, lost every single set, and the work they put in and, and how they were able to transform um, a team that was struggling so much and take it to the very top. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a commercial. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon aims to bring its subscribers interesting, unique, and uplifting stories. You can find us at sportsstoriespodcast.com. We drop audio and video podcasts every Thursday and go live on YouTube Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Many guests have shared their stories with host Denny Lennon, such as Super Bowl and BCS champions Brendan Ion Badejo, Peter Bulware, and Trevor Lawrence, three-time Olympic gold medalist Karch Karai, Kentucky Derby winner Doug O'Neill, NCAA champions Toby Bailey and Sinjin Smith, Hall of Famers Jimmy Lennon Jr., Rudy Tomjanovich, world champions Boom Boom Mancini and Tim Leary, AAU Sullivan Award winners Catherine Plummer, Sabrina Ionescu, and Spencer Lee. We've also had best-selling authors Wesley King and Wayne Coffey, and our sports stories favorite Norm Bass, the first African-American to play two professional sports post-World War II. Become a friend of the show on Patreon, and you can help keep the dream alive. Go to patreon.com forward slash Denny Lennon, or go to our website to see all of our social media links. If you have an interesting, unique, or uplifting story to tell, contact us on sportsstoriespodcast.com. And now back to our interview. Do you think that experience with a lower-level high school team, um, in the you know lower enrollment, lower lower division, helped you become a better coach once you were coaching at the highest levels? I think so, for sure. Um, and one reason I think that is, um, it taught me a lot about patience, for sure. Mm. Um, I think it was the best possible place for me to start coaching. Actually, mm-hmm. is with a team that wasn't like at an international level. Um, Most people who've had great success as a player in that sport don't translate to good coaches. Mm -hmm. Uh, The norm is that the ones who are really good as players and teammates and help their teams win a lot don't make good coaches because it's hard for them to have the patience and understanding that what was easy for them is not easy for others. Right. And, um, and a lot of it is they played so much, it's very intuitive. They may not necessarily be able to easily explain what they did so well <laughs> or transmit it or teach it. So I think it was great for me to um, start my coaching career working with t- some total beginners because at a small school, anywhere around the country. The normal rule is if you go out for a sport, you make a sport because they're yeah. just hurting. They need bodies right. to, to play, to, to actually f- be able to field teams. And so got to work with some total beginners. And 
got to get exposed right out of the shoot to some parent issues, which was awesome. I thought I was immune from that. No, that's <laughs> hey, coach. Uh... <laughs> exactly. Hey, coach, hey, coach, you don't know what the heck you're yeah. talking about here. <laughs> Who are you, so, hey, coach? So anyway, uh, those were all really valuable lessons for me uh, that's and helped me swim against the tide and try to be a better coach, even though I had a lot of success got, getting to play with so many great players and teams. I want to be respectful of your time, uh, but because of I wanted to spend time on your playing career, yeah. Because um, I I just think that you know that's what really set so much of our country's um, volleyball program on fire. That said, <clears throat> yeah. I think most know that uh, you moved into the head seat for the for our women's uh, team, won the world championships in 2014, mm-hmm. and uh, bronze medal in 2016 in the Olympic Games. Yeah. And here comes volleyball back to Tokyo for 2020, and that's really exciting. It sure is. Um, I am incredibly fortunate and grateful and blessed to work to to be working with this program for so long. First, as an assistant to Hugh, mm-hmm. big thanks to him for giving me uh, an opportunity. My only experience was basically. Coaching Saint, Saint the St. Margaret's boys team. <laughs> Our boys joke about, well, of course that's the route to yeah, that's coaching it. the national team. <laughs> you just coach the St. Margaret yeah. boys varsity <laughs> team. Um, makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah. So got to coach with him for four years, do a lot of learning, and do a uh, ton more in these uh, essentially close to eight seasons now with awesome. uh, as head coach of the USA women. But I love – Working with the people in this program, the players, the athletes are a really special group of women. Mm -hmm. I wish the country knew more about them, uh, especially girls, girls club volleyball. We have so many amazing role models who are intelligent, disciplined, hardworking, powerful amazing people who also happen to be great volleyball players and we have an amazing staff so it's a a great program to be associated with Um, we've had some really nice results we would like more the and and the big one that still sits out there is no usa women's team has ever won an olympic gold medal the usa women have won three silvers two bronzes Uh, but in all the years of international volleyball Beginning in 1952 with the first ever women's world championships of indoor volleyball, uh, the USA women have won a, a, a number of medals, but only one gold medal, and that was the 2014, 2014 world championships. So we're hungry for more. We don't do our work every day in here thinking gold medal, gold medal, gold medal. We think got to get better, got to get better, mm-hmm. got to get better. Haven't been good enough, haven't been good enough, haven't been good enough, but that's okay because we're going to be hungry to be better tomorrow and next week and next month. Rank number two in the world right now, but there are a lot of great teams that are going to be at the Olympics. It's going to be a really tough deep field. China, Serbia, Italy, Japan, uh, Russia, um, Brazil. And so there are a lot of contenders there. Uh, If the pools break out the way we expect, because Olympic qualification just ended recently, Mm -hmm. just days ago. Uh, we think we're going to have a really tough pool. I think that's the best possible thing that can happen for us because we'll be uh, battle-tested and um, and most prepared for the knockout playoff rounds when we and get, be so get there late. That's going to be exciting. So I'm going to ask you a series of rapid-fire questions to wrap us up. If you got a set, Karch, you ready? Yeah. Best opposing player indoor you played against? 
Alexander Savin, great international middle for Russia. Beach. How about on the beach? Beach. Um, Sinjin has to be right up there. Best teammate indoor. Best teammate indoor. Loved playing with a lot of them, but Steve Timmons was amazing. How about on the beach? Uh, Kent and I did a ton of winning, but I also had a great time playing with Sinjin, Adam, Brent Frohoff, Scott Akatebi, <laughs> okay. Mike Lambert, and finishing with Kevin Wong, among others. All, all great teammates. How about this? As a coach, talk about um, – well, actually, I'll go to the rapid-fire questions. Yep. Okay, here we go. Your first pet. Never had a pet as a kid, but we got dogs as uh, for our boys. Yep. And it was a mini dachshund named Kobe. Nice. First car. That's in B210. <laughs> Favorite sports team when you were a kid? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings, because I love purple. <laughs> nickname. The purple people eaters. <laughs> purple people, yep. <laughs> what was your nickname as a kid? Um, in high school, they called me um, Captain K or the computer. <laughs> uh, favorite board game? Uh, Monopoly. Favorite main dish? Main dish. Anything my wife makes. She's a fantastic cook. <laughs> favorite dessert? Uh, favorite dessert. Um, there's a great key lime pie at a fish restaurant, of all places, in Dana Point. Nice. Uh, favorite movie? Favorite movie. It's a Wonderful Life. Favorite musical group? Uh, favorite. Let's see. Uh, one of them probably has to be the Beatles. Favorite author? Favorite author, uh, Dennis Prager. Favorite professional athlete? Who? You can exclude see. your team. Go um, back to this. Uh, one of my favorites is actually uh, Al Order, four-time mm -hmm. Uh, discus gold medalist wow. okay. four straight I, I admire greatness over a long period of time uh, where did you meet your wife through volleyball she played at Pepperdine I played at UCLA what was your first date first date uh, let's see I think I took her out to dinner in Malibu because she was going to school at the time okay uh, what's your favorite word Learn. And uh, if we want to end on your favorite quote. Favorite quote. Um, I think one of them, and I can't re repeat it or recall it verbatim, but the there's a great one from Teddy Roosevelt about the man in the arena. Mm -hmm. And um, the man with or the woman with dirt all over them and mm -hmm. they fail and they fall down, but they're in the arena and in the battle. Right. And it's much more admirable to put ourselves on the line than it is to, uh, to be a spectator and be a, a critic. Awesome. Yep. I love that quote too. Awesome. Thank you, Cart. Thank you. It's been awesome. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is supported by the AAU. Find a local event and join at aausports.org. And remember, you can catch your favorite amateur sports live stream, replays, and highlights at ballertv.com. Sports Stories, along with East Bay, supports the Heroes Movement, a nonprofit that bridges the gap from mental or physical therapy to getting strong again through strength and conditioning workouts. This free service is available for any veteran 
of the United States Armed Forces. Visit heroesmovementusa.org for more information. Sports Stories, along with thousands of people across the country, also supports the My Stuff Bags Foundation, a nonprofit that provides traumatized children with new belongings and new hope. Learn more at mystuffbags.org. Sports Stories with Denny Lennon is a production of Sports Stories, Inc., and is available on Apple Podcasts and YouTube or wherever you listen and watch. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. It really helps spread the word. You can find all our social media links, archives, and other info on our website at sportsstoriespodcast.com. Special thanks to the John R. Wooden Course and Wooden's Wisdom. Original music for Sports Stories is courtesy of Lennon Music Productions. Original images by Sienna Lennon Photography. Sports Stories is produced by Christine Jimbo and Marley Rice. Sports Stories is edited by Bob McCall. Additional staff include Ray Castro, Teresa Dolan, Jake Downey, Carlos Haro, and Buck Magic Lennon. Come fly with me, come fly with me, let's fly away. Let's watch sports stories from here into the day. Come fly with me, come fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me, let's float up, it'll be true. We'll watch sports stories because it's for me and you. Come fly with me, we'll fly out to the blue. Sports stories, the Check it out, book!